Welcome to Burgundy Blogcast Season 6, Episode 6. This is Brent from Burgundy Blog. And boy, do I have a special treat for you listeners today. Guess what? This podcast is not just me rambling on by myself to myself. I actually got another guest, and a really good guest. It's Ben Standig from The Athletic. He is, in my opinion, one of the best, very best Redskins beat writers. He was super dialed into the team and has his finger on the pulse and has for several years. Many of you are already subscribed to The Athletic and regularly reading his things. If you're not, I, I really do honestly suggest that you do. I know you have to pay to access The Athletic, in my opinion. It is worth it, if only just for reading Ben's stuff. He's legit. And his partners, um, Mark Bullock and Rhiannon Walker, who also write about the Redskins, are also very good. I read all of their stuff. And Ben, in particular, usually drops at least one or two little nuggets of Redskins news almost every week, all year round. We covered a bunch of topics, which I hope you'll find useful. I feel like I got him to let his um, professional journalistic guard down a little bit and um, tell him his honest feelings and opinions about a few things. I'm going to forewarn you that the audio is not quite up to my usual extremely high standards. I don't think it's bad. In fact, I, I don't think it's going to be a big obstacle, but it's not quite as crystal clear as I usually try to make things. That's because we had to do the interview over Skype, and uh, Skype just has its own limitations. But I'm going to do my best to mix this podcast up so it is still delicious to your ears. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation between myself and Ben Standig, and I hope also that if you do enjoy it, and if you regularly enjoy Burgundy Blogcast, please take like eight and a half seconds to find my podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you want, you can just go to berg.link slash iTunes. That's berg.link slash iTunes, and give me a five-star review and leave me some feedback so I can continue to learn what is good and bad about the pod and uh, helpful and not as helpful to you to give you better free content in the future. My man, Ben Standig, Redskins writer extraordinaire on the line. I'm very excited for Ben to be the season's first guest. Now strike that. My buddy Colin was on the pod a few episodes ago, but my my season's my sixth season's first famous guest, Ben Standig, Redskins writer for the Athletic. Ben, how the heck are you doing? Other than no, uh, realizing I no longer know what the word famous means, um, I'm hanging in there. Uh, you absolutely meet my personal criteria for fame. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we, we we may have to work on on, on your own uh, uh, on your own levels there, but uh, I'm hanging in there, man. Obviously, it's a cra- crazy world, and uh, to be honest, I feel like this is the first week um, where because things have calmed down a little bit on the on the football front, that uh, you know I, I'm letting sort of the world around me maybe uh, get get in my brain a bit much this week. But mm. other than that, I'm hanging in there. How about you? Good. Yep. Same. Yep, starting to get back to normal a little bit at work, etc., cetera, uh, bit by bit. So, yeah, that's encouraging. And, yeah, we have a chance here this week to maybe catch our breath um, collectively a little on Redskins news outside of stuff showing up on the police blotter, at least. And, um, and so I'm excited to have you. Um, I, will, I, I will have already done a brief introduction of you 
at the at the outset of the podcast, but I'd like you to take a minute for like the three people listening who don't know who you are. Please explain your many talents and um, how you're affiliated with the Redskins. Uh, sure. Uh, my, my, my current uh, job title is a uh, Redskins reporter for the athletic. Uh, that's where I've been for almost a year now, but I've covered the Redskins for a bunch of other outlets uh, over time. And I grew up in these parts uh, old enough to remember the Joe Gibbs 1.0 era team. So uh, the, the fandom in me is long gone, but the, uh, the, the, the history and the, uh, you know, the, the vibes for this franchise are, are, are ingrained and it's been a uh, interesting ride, especially now to be on this end of it to actually, you know, get to cover the team that I grew up rooting for is uh, a, an interesting situation for sure. Interesting. Yeah, totally. I bet it would be. I, I, um, I couldn't do it. I like to do what I do, which is um, anonymous and easy and, um, you know, I can kind of say whatever I want without fear of really much retribution or uh, accountability. And it's kind of not fair, but I have a lot of respect for uh, the everybody in the Redskins um, media room and on the beat like yourself who keep it real, um, even though, you know, you can't maybe say every single thing that pops into your head. Um and I'm going to just plug you a little bit myself uh, for all the listeners and say that um, Ben's writing on The Athletic is awesome. Uh, by itself, it justifies the cost of subscription. And I'm not saying this just because he's a nice guy who agreed to go on my pod. He's a really good writer. He's got lots of good um, nuggets uh, on the Redskins all the time. I mean, almost every single article he writes has like an interesting little nugget that was not just um, redundant from other things um, said or written by other people on the beat. So. Everybody subscribe to The Athletic, read Ben's stuff, and Ben, um, plug your own Twitter handle here real quick. Uh, at Ben Standig, very original. Nice. Uh, <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Um, I, I pay even more close attention to you on your Redskins handle from your old website, Break Burgundy. What's the exact uh, re- uh, handle for that one? I think it is at Break Burgundy. I, I, it's been that 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 one has changed over time because it's depending on who I was writing for or what I was doing. But yeah, I think that's where I settled uh, for the moment. I've had people tell me over time they think I'm you or vice versa, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, yeah, sure. It's uh, I've, I've been confused works. for worse. I can live with that. So um, <laughs> definitely, everybody either follow at Ben Standing or at Break Burgundy, which is mostly his Redskin stuff because. He's sharp. You won't regret that. Um, ben, I'm going to start you off by um, by by posing a, a pretty open-ended question and just saying that you know the Redskins uh, obviously were terrible last year, three and thirteen, second pick in the draft. That they're among the dregs of the NFL. Um, I think most fans, myself included, feel that uh, just from a talent and roster standpoint, they were some degree better than that or should have been and that the coaching situation was fairly disastrous and probably held them back therefore most of us expect that the team will in fact be at least a little bit better some people think quite a bit better in 2020 than they were last year give me like your your you know off the cuff take how much better can or will the redskins be in 2020 well the, the first thought that comes to my mind, which is ironic because the reason you like me better for the break Burgundy is account, because 
That one is only Redskins. It's my other account where I'm talking too much about the Wizards or some other things that drives you nuts. Yes, I have um, zero tolerance for Wizards or NBA. That's correct. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm making this to sort of – it comes to mind because I'm sort of going to make a quick Wizards analogy to your point. And that is it's one thing to be bad. That happens. But it's, 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 it's for the reason of what the bad – why were you bad and what does it mean going forward? So in other words, like with the Washington Wizards – they haven't been good the last couple of years, but they have a bloated payroll. They have guys on the con- on the books who are already getting paid a lot of money. You know, the, 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 they were into the luxury tax a couple of years ago and didn't come close to meeting those expectations. That's problematic. You can't just get, get rid of these contracts, at least on mm-hmm. the Redskins side of things. You know, the, the, most of the roster is guys who they've drafted over the last three or four years. Obviously, there's some pl- players who, who make some money. Your Landon Collins is of the world but by and large the bulk of the roster is is a lot of young players that's what one thing rivera has talked about when he said he explored the roster that because there's so many kids it's not to say that all these kids automatically mean they'll turn into really good players it's to say that there's things to work on and also you're not handicapped by having these onerous contracts i mean beyond alex smith's situation which is obviously very unique and unfortunate the Redskins aren't really stuck with a lot of negatives. Even some of the bigger contracts like Ryan Kerrigan, you know, he in theory comes off the books after the year if they don't keep him. So, you know, I, I think for, for me, the encouraging thing is I can't predict that the Redskins are going to have a, a breakout season and all of a sudden become a playoff team this year. I would put it more on the five win kind of, kind of spectrum, especially mm-hmm. with a lot of uncertainty at quarterback. And, and we don't really quite know how this whole off season is going to go with, you know, coronavirus and so on. But at least the upside is there because of all the kids. There's multiple pieces for this new coaching staff, which is exciting. They can you know, take these kids and sort of teach them what they want without having too much bird, prior burden in those kids' brains. And you know, then moving forward, even after this year, that there's money on the salary, salary cap that they can use to fill in the, the gap. So to me, like, I think the most encouraging thing is that the young talent and that they're not stuck with like some horrendous salary cap situation. If it was the latter, then things I think would be even more bleak. Right now, it's just okay. It's a rebuild, but it's not. They're not. They're not stuck the way, like I said, to use the Wizards as a comparison, where the Wizards kind of have their team, and I don't know how they're going to get out of it. Uh, I like that take a lot. Okay, so I see you um, drawing a distinction between bad and stuck versus bad and um, you know, well, not stuck, but. you're free to kind of be something something different and i agree with you from a cap standpoint certainly that's one way in which the redskins seem to um you know control their own destiny a little bit in terms of being able to improve so i totally agree um furthermore i uh i think you and i are pretty close to the same page in terms of expectations i mean i realize it's may we haven't even seen these guys in uniforms, let alone pads. I mean, nothing at all. So uh, both of us can certainly reserve the right to change our expectations as we get closer to September or whenever the season does start. Um, but, you know, I said uh, on my most recent previous pod or maybe the one before that, yeah, probably like five wins is kind of my ballpark right now. Of course, that's that's what I predicted for them last year too. And they didn't even, didn't even make it to the five. So right. um I'm with you. I think I feel that they are going to be better. I think um, I think that I have more confidence in Ron Rivera's first year than I did in Jay Gruden's what fifth, sixth? How many did he get? Part of a sixth? I think that was a six. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I feel he and his staff, and in particular Del Rio, who I'm pretty um, confident in and and excited about, 
will um, make them better. But I don't, um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of, well, for example, as far as I know, the, the over-under, official over-under in Vegas is still somewhere around four and a half-ish. Um, and I, I sense a lot of local uh, enthusiasm for that being uh, like no-brainer too low, like like easy easy money. And I'm just, I, I don't feel that way at all. I think that seems kind of fair to me. I'm not, I don't see them as I'm seeing a lot of people throwing out like ceilings of, I mean, sorry, floors of six wins. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not with that. I'm seeing more like a ceiling of maybe eight wins if like a lot of things go right. And, and I think it's possible that even with a little bit more talent and even with the new coaching and culture change and all that, that they could definitely still be, you know, picking in the top three if things don't go right. So, um, you know, I, I, I feel like probably you and I are, vibing on that a little bit yeah i like obviously to have some enthusiasm for this team in terms of 2020 results you've got to be thinking to yourself the defense is going to be marketably better right chase young's on board you mm-hmm. you not only have del rio but you have rivera you know no more josh norman which was you know not working out so well last year uh you know you know i don't know what thomas davis can do from a playing standpoint anymore but from like a leadership standpoint that should help and mm-hmm. you know so on and so on right but look at the end of the day they stunk last year and a lot of the same players are back and 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 we can just we can talk about greg minuski all we want but like the players were the ones who are on the field so until right. absolutely until they actually do it i can't just sit here and go well jonathan allen and, and all these guys are are world beaters. Obviously, I do think that Chase Young with that group, I mean, on paper, it's pretty outrageous what, what they have uh, uh, up front. So it seems like it should be good. Landon Collins, I thought, was okay last year. I, I don't know if he made the impact we were expecting, but I'm expecting a lot better things out of him right. this year because of the, what that front four can do. So it starts with that. But then you get to the other side of the ball. Like, obviously, the quarterback thing, I'm sure you've discussed a million times. I, look, if somebody wants to be optimistic on Dwayne Haskins, I, I can't say that you're wrong based on like a raw talent standpoint. But I mean, I had, you know, the questions I had all last year were pretty significant and I'm not alone in talking to people around the league. There are definitely yep. some people who are concerned that, that that he'll ever get to the point of being a legitimate starting quarterback. And even if you're, again, optimistic, we don't know who the left tackle is. The second receiver spot is kind of a mess to a degree. And the running backs, there's a lot of options, but... I've, you know, how that's going to break down, you know, we'll see. So the offense has so many questions, even just beyond Haskins. So again, I think they can be better from a functional standpoint, the culture standpoint, less penalties, you know, more exciting, you'll be competitive, but maybe just don't have enough firepower. And that's why I think like you can be better and still have a three, four win season. I I, I wouldn't say they can't get five wins, but I, yeah, like you said, if the floor, anyone saying the floor is six wins, God bless your optimism, but I don't see it right now. Well said. I was looking for something to disagree with in what you said, and I can't. I, I couldn't find one immediately. So um, I like <laughs> apologies. We're going to come back yep. to some of that. <laughs> we'll find something. Uh, we're going to come back to some of that stuff, including in particular um, the running backs. And I want to talk about Landon Collins on a, little, a little bit. I like what you said about him. Um, you know, I think um, just. Um, you know, summing up even more succinctly some of what you said. Basically, you're adding, in terms of impact guys, hopefully Chase Young is a big difference maker. Hopefully Kendall Fuller is an above-average player because you're paying him pretty well. But, you know, everyone knows, and we've talked at length about how they didn't they didn't make a lot of big moves 
in in free agency. They didn't add a lot of obvious starters. I mean, Thomas Davis maybe, but he's ancient. Then on, on the other side of the ball, I agree. Huge question marks there. Maybe take maybe maybe Haskins takes a big leap. Hope he does. Totally hope he does. I too have been uh, skeptical about his um, you know chances, but um, if he does, then maybe it's a quantum leap forward for the offense. But they didn't do a lot there. They didn't do a lot there. There's a lot of kind of like moldable potential or whatever in the Antonios, but um, that th- that was a bad bad unit, and I'm not sure that just adding Scott Turner at the helm is going to totally make that a path even a passable offense. So I'm 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 with you on a lot of what you said. I want to um, spend a minute um, discussing with you uh, a cool idea that you had for an article earlier this week in The Athletic where you were trying to identify now in Trent Williams' absence, um, not only who is the best current Redskin, but who would be, in your article you listed, um, you you made a nice case for your, your top 10 best Redskins at the time. I'm not looking at all of the context of that article at, at the moment, but um, you made a nice explanation at the beginning that you were doing, you were equally weighting um, the categories of production potential, and then kind of like the idea of expansion draft mentality where like basically who would other teams want to pull off your team if they could and putting all of those things together, you put it, you made a nice list. Um, and so I read it and I thought about it. And I agreed with some of what you said. I probably would have tweaked a couple things, which we can talk about. If it were me and I'm doing a list about who are the best Redskins, um, I'm kind of probably trying to average like two categories. Who's going to be the best this year in 2020 and who who would be the most coveted by um, other teams in the NFL if indeed there was sort of an expansion draft. So for me, I would probably weight past production a little bit lower than some of the others because I think it's more about expectation than production in terms of who's who are your best guys can i um i don't want to like take all the meat off the bone of your article because i want people to subscribe to the athletic and read it but can i list your top 10 or do you want to pick a few no go go for it all right so so i'm going to summarize ben's uh, going from number 10 to number one he listed sweat adrian peterson ryan kerrigan landon collins john allen was six um uh, Payne was five, Chase Young four, Ionitis three. This is interesting. Sheriff at two, and your number one best Redskin, McLaurin. So um, I, I want to hear some of your thoughts, but I I think McLaurin is definitely at or near the top. Um, I would probably say that in terms of who I expect to be the best this year and who other teams would be most anxious to lift off of this roster, I think it's probably Chase Young number one. Uh, McLaurin might be number two. I think Sheriff, who you had at number two, I like him a lot. I'm not quite as high on some. I did think that in addition to to having some durability issues in the last couple years, you know, his penalty numbers crept up a little bit. I'm not I'm not I'm not certain he's quite as dominant as as others think. I do like Payne a lot. In fact, you had him at five. Um, Payne is I feel that Payne is probably the best of the Redskins. Um, traditional defensive linemen or at least of those interior guys i think among the fan base allen is like more beloved um and i I recall of course as he was uh you know entering john allen's draft there was a period where he was thought to be like a lock top fiver and like he was just this you know phenom um finishing up at alabama then there was the thing with his shoulder and is that degenerative and i think a lot of people just assume that was the only reason he slipped into the teens for the redskins i feel like maybe he wasn't viewed as quite 
as um, sure thing uh, a star or a, or a you know all pro by the league as some fans thought. And I feel that since he's been here, it's interesting with John Allen. The team definitely suffers when he's not in the lineup, so he's definitely a good and important player. But I'm not sure we've seen like as much obvious game changing impact, at least um, you know individual effort type big plays by him as I thought we might coming in. Um, and then the one other guy on your list, I want to mention Collins, you had him at seven. On my list, he might be even a little bit higher up. I think that in the right scheme, if Del Rio can can get his hands on him and everything else starts clicking a little bit, I do think he can really regain his position as kind of a household name. Yeah, uh, that's a good uh, b- breakdown of there. I, you know, I think broadly, like I was like, I think the you know, a standard idea of, hey, who's the best player on the Redskins kind of sounds like a lame idea. And it's not something that I try to strive for at the athletic. We don't really try to do those types of stories. But the reason I did it was because I couldn't, I didn't have an answer. And I still right. don't really have one now. I, by, by making the list, I forced myself to put somebody number one. But I always use, say this, like when we get to like, you know, things like the NFL draft, don't compare every number one pick ever. They're not all equal. You know, just right. because Joe Burrow went number one doesn't mean he's Peyton Manning because he went number one. Somebody has right. to be number one. So in the idea of who's one or two or three, I think the larger point is probably there, similar to what we discussed before. There's guys who have some potential and upside, but there really is not a lot of frontline talent where that's like proven. I mean, we there was Trent Williams and there was Ryan Kerrigan and maybe – we've been a little bit more confident about Sheriff because like you said, the, the penalties piled up and then also the injuries last two years. But now it's just a lot of like, well, uh, projections. I, I You're probably yeah. right on Chase Young. I just couldn't completely put him all the way to the top. Yeah. Having yeah. not played. And um, well, listen, you know, I, I said, I said my, my list maybe isn't even, um, isn't even the same list as yours. We're not so much disagreeing. I mean, like I said, yeah. I, I totally get the concept of, Hey, you, the guy hasn't even set foot on an actual pro field before. I mean, it is a, it is fairly preposterous to say, well, he's the best player on the team. I mean, I, I, I can grasp that. Um, like I said, for me, it's, it's more about where are we going where are we going even in, in the very near future? And by the way, I'm not sure um, I'm not sure Chase Young is going to be a double-digit sacker as a rookie at all. I mean, that's just a big ask for anybody, even if he is a quote-unquote generational prospect. Um, but I think within within two years, you know, he's going to be studying. Like I said, my focus on who who is is more on uh, who are the other are our opponents going to look at and say like. That guy is a problem. I wish he was on my side instead of theirs. I see um, Chase Young very quickly becoming that, and I think I think McLaurin is you know probably already that. Even if even if he wouldn't you know just waltz in and be number one on every roster, because I think that's a separate question, and I don't even think that's necessarily too. But he um, true, but he he's a guy that everybody would want, you know. Um, and I think we as fans have come to overrate some of these others and put them in that position and assume, Hey, if the coaching was better, they would be that. But, you know, until we see it, like, I'm just, I'm a little bit, um, you know, hesitant. For, for, for sure. You know, it's funny. Like if you, if it was just a one-on-one discussion, Terry McLaurin or Duran Payne or Terry McLaurin with Chase Young or what even like, I don't know if I could go with the, the receiver. I mean, I am a massive McLaurin guy. I mean, I really was blown away by what he did last year. Not not just what he did on the field, which is incredibly dynamic. The speed mm-hmm. was evident. The route running was exquisite. But his maturity level, and right. when we talked to him, I mean, like he 
talking to him is pretty obvious. He's more mature than me by a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, is really impressive. You know, look, you never know who these guys are off the field for sure, but <laughs> this kid really seems like he's got his head screwed on and in talking to people around the team, you know, that's something that you really take away. So it just feels like, I mean, I, I really expect him to become a top 10 NFL receiver pretty quick. And, nice. and so, so I kind of like, because there were so, it was, it was hard to sort of differentiate the defensive lineman to a degree. And that's why I put them, I think three, four five, six. I kind of gave, put McLaurin above that because he was different. But if like, I just sort of went McLaurin versus any of those guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I might pick the defensive lineman from the from this process of like who would the other team right. want. You know, yeah. um, I, I, of those guys, I do think John Allen is the one that's kind of most interesting to me because he does get the most attention. You know, he came uh, well. I guess he didn't tech. He came first of the first round picks, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, he was the first one to sort of start this new wave of of Alabama players coming in and this new line. And plus, he's from the area. He's another guy that you know you know, is a smart, intelligent guy. Uh, you know, he's, he, he talks about being a leader, the things you want to hear. And he's been presented as the, the, the face of this new defense and yeah. all that's reasonable. But at the same point, you know, whatever you think of pro football focus, they didn't really love his yeah. campaign last year, rated him fairly low among defensive linemen. And like mm-hmm. I said, ultimately these guys were all on the field last year when this defense was not very good, which isn't to say it's all about one guy, but I, he's the one I'm interested in because I mean, this is sort of a bigger picture topic, but the Redskins picked up his fifth year option, but obviously you'd like to sign him to a long-term deal, but you also, they're also going to have pain coming behind him. You're going to have mm-hmm. Montez sweat, chase young yeah. plus some others. And are they going to be able to afford to justify giving four of these guys extensions down the line? And so Allen comes first. If he has a big year, I'm going to guess he has an extension. I'm sure Ron Rivera likes everything about John Allen. Mm-hmm. But let's see how he produces now in this new setup. I think if he if he really steps up the way people think of him, then I think this thing can go to definitely go to another level. But it'll be interesting to see how he does under this new setup. He'll he'll see fewer one on ones, presumably with Chase Young around, with all these other guys developing. So mm-hmm. I, I think I really kind of look to him as I don't know about a bellwether for this defense, but like mm-hmm. I just I just oh, the defensive line. He's actually the most intriguing one to me for this year. Not that Chase Young isn't, but like I want to see what Allen can do. Will we really see another level out of him? And he's been good already, but just another mm-hmm. level. That is a tremendous thought-provoking point you make about paying the first-round picks because, um, you know, ideally your first-rounders are guys, of course, that you want to be uh, your your core players and the ones that you're hoping will justify a nice, big, fat, rich second contract. Well, I think a potential downside of drafting in the same position or in the, or in this, you know, in case, in this case, front seven, like over and over and over in the first round is that, you know, can you eventually afford to pay them all at the same time? If they do pan out, that's a, that's a great point. I think not discussed enough. They may not be able to, you know, even if all of these guys hit, I think you're totally right. They may not be able to re up Allen and Payne. I mean, I and I just kind of already got a little, uh, medium range deal. Um, but, they're not going to be able to pay all these guys because that's not how budgeting works with an NFL salary cap. You you have you can't pour everything into one position group. So I like what you said there. A um, couple points I, I want to make to finish up like this segment about your list, specifically on McLaurin. Totally agree on his insane maturity. It doesn't make any sense. He acts like he's you know from the neck up. He's 20 years older than he actually is. He was kind of an old rookie. I think he might be like 24 now. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a captain very soon. Like maybe right away. I don't know. 
Um, I think that he's as, as much as I love him and want him to be a Redskin for his whole career, uh, because I think the chance he's going to like sort of fall off or regress is minimal. Uh, for me, I, I don't, I'm not really sure I'm seeing him as a top 10 NFL receiver. I proved me wrong, Terry, totally. But like he, his rookie year was so much better than he was expected to be. I'm still, I mean, I can't bring myself all the way there to like, he's just the rung behind Julio. Like I need to, if, if he does it again this year and he, you know, he's way over a thousand yards and he scores eight times and it's like, he's just clearly like driving the offense. I will 100% buy in on him as a number one. Um, but uh, I'm waiting to see. I think to, right now, I think he's um, he, he's like uh, the number two receiver that every single team would would want to have. Um, then lastly, just I mean, I think you made a great point about uh, the list. You know, you might say a top 10 list for best players on a team. It's not like an article that everyone would be dying to write in every occasion. But I mean, I, I think it was perfectly appropriate because there was there's a vacuum like you, the, the, the article that the topic for your article was begged by Trent Williams' departure. He was clearly far and away the Redskins' best answer. He was the, er, the, the best, best player for his entire tenure. I mean, he was the obvious answer to this question. And now we're living in a Trent-free world for the first time in a decade. So it was. Um, I, I'm glad you wrote it. I thought it was an excellent thought exercise. And uh, it will be interesting to see who takes you know, his mantle as kind of like the face of the team. Because for me, it, it was him, even though he's an offensive lineman. Um, yeah. It'll be All interesting right. to oh, see, ahead. like the. Uh, so I said, it'll be interesting. I, I I put Kerrigan and Peterson in there, and part of me didn't really want to put them in, particularly Peterson, because mm-hmm. you know it's like, look, he's thirty five. He's done a very nice job uh, when they've needed offense the last couple of years, but like, it, it was hard for me to not put him in because he's been so productive, and so many other yeah. guys behind him or haven't been. I, I, Kerrigan is interesting. I mean, he was not that great last year. Uh, mm-hmm. before the injuries but like i said he would have arguably been number two on this list for years no, no less than number two maybe right. we're writing him, him off too quick and you've got these young guys so i you know if he in fact is much closer to the top five than two or th- than where i have him at eight uh, you know that then that becomes interesting for this defense even more so because i think a lot of people probably myself included are probably shoving him out the door a little a little yeah. quick and we'll see, but I, you know, maybe he gets back up to that top range and, and there is more, uh, frontline talent, but you know, I'm, I'm like I said, he wasn't that great last year, even before the injuries. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, w- you know, with the, with the four, three, I mean, I get it. They've been, they've played a lot of four, three. I understand there's a lot, there's so much nickel and the three, four, three, four differentiation. Maybe it's overblown. I don't know, but he's going to probably have his hand in the dirt a little more than he did. Maybe he does, you know, bounce all the way back to who he used to be. I agree. I think you, I think you have Peterson and Kerrigan ranked pretty well. I mean, your top 10 list has to include the only guy on the team who's a slam dunk hall of famer. So, um, that's why Peterson belongs there. Me personally, I've always been, I mean, since they signed him, I'm a little conflicted on Peterson. I mean, n- no doubt he's been a good Redskin. I mean, he's been a good player for me. It's like mixed emotions seeing him because I just don't really, I don't really view him as a Redskin. I don't really think the things he's accomplishing right now are things that history will look back on as, you know, favorable for the Redskins. I mean, he's wearing the uniform, but he's a Viking. I mean, come on, you know, so. And and also he's doing this in a in a you know for for a period of a few years during which the team is awful. I just don't think he's going to really re- be remembered as a highly celebrated Redskin. But um, anyway, I, I I think your list was great. I enjoyed uh, reading that and discussing that. I want to transition to um, the player I think whose whose maturation and development is, is the most important for. Um, uh, determining and influencing what the Redskins will be over the next, say, five years at least. 
and that is the quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. It's interesting. We didn't, you know, he's not on he, he's not on your top top ten list of best Redskins. He wouldn't have been on mine either. Um, but I, I think he, you know, if we were ranking who's the most important Redskin, to me, it's him because they're going to sink or swim with him a little bit. And if he really skyrockets this year, that would just be so um, encouraging and so prognostically um, favorable for the Redskins. Uh, I want to hear, you know, I've my my listeners have heard a million and a half thoughts about Dwayne Haskins from me. I view him as a guy whose uh, potential is indeed more than sufficient. I mean, in terms of tools, we all know the arm. I think he demonstrated more mobility than we thought. Um, it is within his power to become a good NFL starting quarterback. I wor- I worry a little bit that he may not be the natural leader that the position requires. And just in terms of attitude, uh, I'm a little concerned that he may be more preoccupied with being cool than being excellent. Um, It's probably unfair for me to say those things. Those are just my thoughts, having never met him, but like read and heard everything that's available about him. I want to hear your take. Um, I I realize you're, you're saying this as a journalist, as a reporter, not just as a fan, and you probably can't give me your truest, honest answer that you would give me if I could give you truth serum. But like Haskins, point blank, are you a believer? Is he going to be the future? Like, is Haskins the guy? Well, first off, when you started talking about a player I didn't have in my top 10 that you wanted to discuss, I thought you were going to say Tress Way because that's the the one player by far I got more pushback on for not including, and I was, my mind was blown by 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 that but you're not gonna uh, get that from me by the way we all know Tressway. he's totally awesome but i almost never tweet or talk about Tressway because i just don't care about punters that much i i mean the best punter ever really wouldn't you know like move the needle too much for me so like i, I get that too i mean everyone's always telling me Tressway is the best redskin listen i get it he's a badass but I don't really care too much about Tressway. so anyway sorry sidebar that, that was a yeah good no that was that was that was my uh, my sidebar yeah, so so Haskins, I mean, look, the, I understand the reason for the optimism. I mean, he's got the size, he's got the arm. He did look significantly better in those last two starts. Be- nice nice to close strong than if it had gone the other way around. And, you know, wh- whether he was worthy of the 15th pick or not, you know, enough people around the league think he's got some potential to to be good and and you know, we get we you know, you, you understand why uh, why a team would want him i still though see the downside and, and to me it remains you know fairly significant I, i'm not even talking about all the sort of the x's and o's and how he looks off receivers or you know if he's interception prone and you know you can read my colleague mark bullock for the film breakdown of all that kind of stuff but you know i i, I hate to go back to the topic that like i know a lot of people think is overblown i really thought that selfie situation last year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the first. That wasn't the that wasn't the initial red flag for me. Right. That was a screaming bright light neon sign of what is this? Did I'm gonna that- I'm gonna stop you. Don't lose your train of thought. I'm gonna stop you only to say I specifically remember you not letting him off the hook for that. And I, I, by the way, I completely agreed with you. I completely agreed with you. I you know we are old. Maybe we're boomers. I, I mean whatever. I thought it was a big deal. I thought it was a big. I, I thought it said a lot about focus and just like. Uh, priorities i guess i mean i'm sorry yes everybody makes makes mistakes and he could prove to me that it was a one-off but anyway i'm totally with you i specifically remembered you not letting him off the hook 
And I feel the same way. So please go, go on. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those plays that like, if, you know, look, he could throw four interceptions in a game and you could tell me that by film review, he would learn differently over time, how to make, how to fix that. That's totally reasonable. A lot of rookie quarterbacks are disasters in year one and turn into the viable players. The, the selfie play, uh, if I saw a high school quarterback make that, I would be like, what is going on here? Like, th- yeah. that's not a matter of, like, th- that's not even a matter of maturity. That's a matter of focus and sort of, you know, kind of who you are. Now, people do change, which isn't to say, you know, he, he's a, it's a lost cause because he did the selfie. But it really said to me, and again, it wasn't just that one thing. I go, I go back also to the beginning of the year when there was all that talk about how he's not getting first team reps. This is a disgrace. How dare Jay Gruden and all that. And, uh, you know, we, I you know, remember getting into this and it was that point when, when Brian Mitchell and Chris Thompson were, were yelling at each other on Twitter about this. And then I went and talked to Chris Thompson the next day about this and Adrian Peterson overheard the conversation and he jumped in and sort of the subtext I took about this. And I wrote about this on the athletic was, when they were t- they were basically saying, look, you can get a lot of good work in with the scout team. It isn't just about first team reps. And realistically, you need your starting quarterbacks to get the first team reps, especially when, in the case of the Redskins last year, all the quarterbacks, you know, Case Keenan was new himself to the team. So it's not like he would get, uh, been there, done that guy. But yeah. the subtext I sort of got was, hey, maybe everybody should focus on Dwayne doing more in practice, working harder, staying longer, whatever it may be that uh, people think he needed to do rather than just simply put the onus on the coaching staff. I mean, he can do more, and when you do more, they'll give you more, right? And, uh-huh. and I think there was uh-huh. a, a thought that he wasn't doing enough, and I think that yeah. was something that kind of lingered throughout the year. Again, it's not to say that it was all negative, and, and he did some good things. We saw down the stretch. So, you know, hopefully last year was – I mean, look, and also he dealt with a lot last year. You had the, the change in coaching staff, and the head coach was also essentially the offensive coordinator – the, you know, the Redskins were under turmoil throughout the year. The, the lack of weapons existed throughout last year as well because Jordan Reed was hurt and Geis was in and out of the lineup. So Haskins and oh, Trent Williams. So Haskins, it was, you know, it was a rough spot for any rookie for, for totally sure. Agree. Um, but, you know, at the same point, I think he's got a ways to, to, to go. Uh, you know, when I mentioned earlier about the, the roster and how on the positive side, they're not saddled with a bunch of crappy contracts and old guys, um, you know, things like that. The one thing I think that this coaching staff was saddled with, though, was the quarterback. The the, the thing that was mm-hmm. I, I found so frustrating when they picked Haskins is it completely screwed two coaching staff simultaneously. It screwed Jay Gruden. <laughs> You're right. Yep. <laughs> right. It's, it screwed Jay Gruden because now he's got this first round pick he can't completely use when he needs to win games right away. And then he screws the next guy coming in who is stuck with this guy. And maybe he let, maybe they love Haskins, but maybe they don't. I, I, I do kind of wonder, again, I'm not saying it's, if Haskins doesn't perform well this year, he's out. But I do sort of wonder if there, it's a little bit of a shorter leash with him than it, than it would be under other circumstances. Not in terms of this season per se, but beyond this season. Because ha- I think Rivera is understandably going to say, look, we're going to figure out who we have on this roster, what we're doing as a coaching staff. And then next year, start to make some changes. And if they don't buy Haskins as the guy, considering they didn't draft him in the first place, I could see the Redskins moving on. Again, we have a ways to go. He gets a full chance to to, to show what he can do this offseason, whatever that means. And during the season, and, you know, I'll put sort of Kyle Allen on the side. But, like, you know, Haskins will get a chance to show he's worthy of playing. And if he does, 
again, even if the record stinks, even if his stats aren't wow, as long as he puts in the work, does good things, shows progress, you know, I can imagine the, them, the coaching staff saying, cool, we're in. But, you know, if it's sort of a repeat of last year to a degree, then I do wonder if the coaching staff might say, hey, you know what? We didn't pick this. We didn't pick this guy in the first place. I don't think we have to be stuck with him for a second year because at some point, if you don't have a quarterback, obviously, you don't have anything. So, I think that's great a big observation thing. about saddling the outgoing and incoming <laughs> regimes. I mean, can you? Is there a worse first? Is is there a worse pick you can make than a than like a slightly reachy mid first round quarterback? When you're, you know, when when you're an outgoing, like almost certainly lame duck head coach. I mean, that, that's a that's a great point. I mean, like Jay didn't want him, and now he's here, and he's a question mark for the new dude too. That was just, I, I mean, the opposite of organizational vision. I think <laughs> that's a great point. Um, on Haskins, I'll I'll say that I'll conclude by saying, you know, a lot of what we're talking about is is just. Um, you know his his personality slash demeanor slash leadership ability and and Rivera I think actually said pretty clearly and explicitly recently the one thing he's really searching for in his quarterback is the it factor which Cam Newton clearly had that it factor like com- like commanding commanding attention of his teammates and his colleagues commanding the room um, just demanding trust uh, from from everybody on the offense and everybody in the locker room. I think Rivera was pretty clearly saying he's not sure at all yet that Dwayne has it. He wants to start seeing more of it. Um, I feel, I mean, I think, you know, Haskins has been just very polarizing among the fans, probably as much as Cousins was, unbelievably. But um, there's there's like kind of two different ways to look at his rookie year. There's There's this pretty, I think, well-accepted idea that when he first showed up, he either didn't get what it takes to be QB1. Or, you know, he, he just wasn't quite putting forth the effort. I'm sorry, people, if you're a listener and you totally roll in your eyes, I mean, you disagree. But like every coach has said something to make it seem like that was true, including Joe Gibbs. I mean, Urban Meyer didn't, you know, has basically confirmed it, that, 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 that that's the way he was viewed initially. Um, I think I think some people are saying, OK, he showed up. He wasn't quite sure what he needed to do. But then clearly over the last month of his rookie year, you know, like obviously in December, he showed that the light bulb went on. And then, you know, now it's just like nothing but up going forward. To me, you know, all that happened in the span of a few months. And I think that, I mean, it's obviously better that he finish better than that he start better and finish worse. I mean, that's, I'm not going to disagree with that, but it was a pretty big red flag that he showed up and wasn't like, just like the man, you know what I mean? Like you can't, maybe that's too much to ask, but I'm sorry. No, it's not really. There's only 32 NFL teams. There's only a certain number of QB one jobs. Like what you really wanted was for him to show up and everyone to be like, holy crap. He is the dude. Like he just, you know, he gets it. He, you know, he, he, I really wanted him to be the first one there and last to leave right away. Like it really shouldn't have taken him a few months to get, oh crap, this is really hard. Like, how did he not know that this was going to be really, really hard? It is, it's incredibly hard, all right? So I'm, I'm, I'm getting long-winded. But my point is, <laughs> some, some are choosing to view it as like, okay, uh, you know, he's young and he figured it out, so it's all good. I'm like, okay, it's, it's good that he figured it out, but it's a pretty big problem that he didn't know it right away. So that's, you know, if, if I remain a little bit pessimistic, it's just that. And so he needs to, to convince me, which I'm sure is one of 
the burning priorities in his life to, to, to convince me personally that he's good enough. Um, I'm just going to need to see it more. I'm going to need to see, I need to start the, the narrative from his teammates and his coaches is going to need to be much more of, um, yeah, he really, he really is showing it like behind the scenes. He's got that it factor. So he, you know, if, if, if in his second year that becomes the new thing, okay, great. I'll, I'll hop, I'll, you know, I'll jump in with both feet. Yeah, you know, to to use a, a, a recent other quarterback as something of a comparison, you know, for Kirk Cousins, obviously you know, there was a lot going on with his circumstance because obviously RG3 and all that. But when Cousins would get in the game, as he did a few times those first few years, we saw the good and the bad. We saw the potential where he was able to he, – he, he seemed confident throwing the ball down the field. But he also was turnover prone, making some interceptions. And you chalk some of that up to, well, he's a young quarterback. A lot of people were saying, oh, he keeps throwing interceptions. He's ruined. Forget it. But I can remember thinking, I, I see enough to think that he could actually get the job done. I mean, I was pushing for Cousins to be the starter probably a full year before he was. This is not about Kirk Cousins. But the point is that <laughs> the, everything the, the, is. Everything, yes, everything is right. But the, the point for me is that there was enough things working. He clearly was another guy who was who entered the league pretty mature, sort of in the McLaurin uh, category. And Dwayne is, look, I, I am not mature, so I'm not judging anybody for that. But, like, Haskins still has to, some room to grow there for, for sure. He also was very inexperienced as a player coming out. He only started one year of college. I mean, all the other rookies that we talk about, Daniel Jones, Gardner Minshew, all threw three times as many passes, essentially, as Haskins did in college. That's not That's not nothing. But my point with the Cousins thing is that Whatever the downsides existed or whatever the concerns existed, there was still also plenty of upside. There's still plenty of like, okay, but these other things are working well. In in Haskins' case, the stuff that seems that we can point to the most is sort of the raw physical intangibles. But the other aspects, like you said, the the, the maturity part, the mental part, you know, that that stuff isn't there yet. And, you know, there were people who from a, you know, just a talent standpoint who didn't think he was definitely a you know, first round a first round pick so you know his baseline isn't obvious yet i don't like i don't know what his floor is yeah. com- completely i mean i've had some pe- some people in the league say they don't think he'll ever be a starter obviously that's not a universal opinion but you know it's it, 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 it'll be interesting to see what his baseline is that's unfortunate for him unfortunate for everybody from i mean forget society just from a football standpoint that yeah. we can't you know have normal have a normal world right now because he needs it as much as anybody to be out there with his new coaching staff, Zampezi, Scott Turner, just be around Rivera, the other players, and 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 get some new juice going here. Uh, it feels like there's something new happening with his coaching staff compared to what was there a year ago, and and somebody like Haskins would benefit. Got to get you. Got to be part of it though. You can't just do these Zoom calls. But also, look, let's see what he does. Is he putting in all that extra work? Until we get going, it's going to be kind of hard to tell. So. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I, I I'm not writing him off, but at the right. same point, the questions still exist, and uh, you know, it, it'll be fa- it's really going to be fascinating to see how this coaching staff gets to him and and what he does to help himself. I've already kept you quite a bit longer than I told you I would, but there's two more topics I want to hit, so maybe we'll just do a couple minutes each on them. Who is going I have, to? I be- have all the time in the world <laughs> and no life, so you're fine. <laughs> all right. Thank you for sharing that with everyone. Yeah. Um, who who's going to be the odd man out in this crowded running back room, or who or the the odd men? I I might I might say. 
Yeah, I, you know what? I mean, there's like three position groups, or maybe four, but there's like three that I'm really fascinated by that like I normally don't like saying I don't know how to answer this question. One of them, I think, is safety. I think that's a really fun room. The, who's going to start a left tackle? I honestly couldn't even give you a real answer. And then the other one is running back, which is probably my favorite competition. When they signed Peyton Barber, just forget Antonio Gibson. When they signed Barber, I think I and others were like, whoa, hold up. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. just spent the last few years under Jay Gruden constantly viewing the running back as like three guys. Who are they keeping? Sometimes yeah. they kept the fourth, but by and large three. You added Peyton Barber. That meant five. You already added McKissick. You you had Peterson, Geis, and Love. And it's like, huh, are they keeping five? Does this say something about Bryce Love? <laughs> right. And then to to spend your your first non-chase young pick right, on right. a running back. Yes, I, yeah. I know technically Gibson sort of defined is it positionless. Like he just kind of, they're hoping to use him in a lot of different ways, but at a broad base level, he's a running back. Yep. And if you're going to line him up in the backfield, there's only so much you can do. So I, I, I can see them keeping five. That would have to be the logical take for me. But even then I figuring out who's the odd man out, I guess I would say Peyton Barber. Uh, this assumes that Bryce love is healthy. Uh, I right. guess I would assume Peyton Barber. Which, but by the way, just... I'm not assuming. I, I I think there's, I mean, don't you think that there, there's like been too little news on Bryce Love for us to be assuming that he's going to be playable? I think he's going to start on PUP. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. And like I remember, like somewhere pre-draft, uh, you know, I started wondering about this sort of the, the way I was wondering about the trend. Like, who's the best player post Trent Williams? It's like, hold on, let me, let me not just wonder this let me actually look into this and I, the sense i basically got was that yes there was some uncertainty with with bryce love still it, it's just so hard this year whether we're talking bryce love reuben foster some of the mm-hmm. anybody else like to know what they're at physically until we actually get them on the field right and we can and we can see them rivera is not giving up much to us right now so i'm by and large with you about not us not assuming anything about bryce love on the other hand I, I, I know so we, we know so little, I don't even, I can't even assume anything good or right, bad. Right. So yeah. it's just tricky. So on the assumption, to some degree that they're all going to be available. It, it feels like Peyton Barber might be the odd man out. I, mm-hmm. I, I will say this, and that's something I've also mean to sort of write about at some point. We remember what happened last year when Jay Gruden, I was one of the few people who understood why Jay Gruden decided he's going with guys, not Peterson. He mm-hmm. saw he, the writing was on the wall for him. Guys has the more upside. He wanted to go with that rather than Peterson. Maybe it's not exactly the type of offense he wants, whatever. Well, what happens this year? Now we have, there's even more running backs. If you're telling me guys can play, they just signed McKissick and they just got Gibson. Forget everybody else. Is there room for Peterson to play to the degree that you, that he's going to want to, and that you're going to want him to play? Mm-hmm, like if mm-hmm. to use him appropriately, if not, well then what are we going to have another <laughs> uh, drama situation the way it unfolded last year in week one for yep. a team, at least last year they were like trying to win per se i'm not saying they're not trying to win this year but like if we're sort of saying it's a something of a rebuild year well then logically don't you want to go with all the young guys i just mentioned so um i i think absolutely, the peterson usage will be fun follow that. totally follow that i've said almost the exact same thing a couple of times on the pod um i'll, I'll go even further and say you know, we haven't seen a ton of Scott Turner previously as officially the offensive coordinator of an NFL team, but it sure seems like his preference and and the direction that the team is choosing to go is towards running backs who are high, you know, hybrid types and receiver types and can you know can do things in space. 
and that's not AP either. So, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, it's interesting because because JP Finley just, you know, I think put something out about the running back room, and he um, he tweeted at least that um, he feels that there's clearly a role for AP. And I mean, I, I get that you can like it's not hard to envision what you know what he offers to any team, especially a team hurting for for culture and leadership, but. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he kind of threw that out, that, that AP definitely has a role, because I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I think he's potentially at risk if other people shine and are healthy in whatever sort of uh, offseason or preseason they get. So I, I follow exactly what you're saying. I, I, I mean, let, let, let me put it like this. Do I think that Adrian Peterson is all on this team in week one? Of course. I mean, yes. But is there a world he's not? Yeah, I I, yeah. I would think that there isn't. If Darius Geis looks like the real deal and he's healthy and all that in camp and everybody else is playing or available, well, then, like, again, like, what, what are you doing? Like, I mean, for where this team is, you know, there's value in having a veteran like Peterson around, obviously. But, yeah, there, there's I think there's a world where you maybe look at Peterson and say, hey, man, look, here's the reality. We have a lot of young guys. If we cut you free you can hopefully go sign on with a team that's contending and you have a chance to win and all that stuff. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't think there's a no chance that he's, that, that he's back again, the overwhelming likely scenario is he's back. He starts and he's their leading rusher. <laughs> but uh, yep. yeah, yeah. I, I, don't think, I, I, I think, I, I think uh, there, there's a scenario for sure where they, if everybody else is, looks good, that they decide uh, we should go with the younger guys. I'm with you on that. I, again, I'll say I think if there if if everybody stays healthy and this room stays crowded, I think they'll be happy to look for an excuse to stash Bryce Love on on PUP so they can keep him and not you know have to cut him loose. And then I think it, again, it provided everyone else stays healthy in exhibition play, um, I would I wouldn't be surprised if one of these guys gets dealt for you know, a late pick. It could be Peterson. It could be Barber for a seventh. You know, I mean, I don't, I'm not, there, there's been some little rumblings and questions, I think on social media and, and in the media about, you know, what about Geis's maturity level? Is he really a personality fit for Rivera? I mean, we'll see who knows, but um, that, that, that I think is a way that they can uh, make this work and have some depth as if they can stash love and then hopefully they have an embarrassment of riches and they can deal one of the others. Okay, last thing. I think um, I'm picking this because this, again, is something that you wrote about that uh, resonated with me. Um, obviously, 2020 is Rivera's first year. This is a new regime. This is a culture makeover. The word culture has been used so many times. I kind of hate it now. Um, is, is Cody Latimer's recent transgression and legal trouble I, I know that you know the details are still emerging, and I'm not expecting you to outline every little thing and and his reasoning and justification for shooting a gun at or near his friend in, inside an apartment. Um, how do we reconcile this need for new culture with the tolerance for a guy who's now got a mounting resume of mischief and who's got like no track record? Why why is he still a redskin and can can this be like are we being too forgiving or or giving too much benefit of the doubt to Rivera if we just blow it off and say okay he's being patient yeah i mean you know first off like when they signed him just as a receiver put aside everything else like they obviously needed to get a veteran receiver they went from going all in on Amari Cooper to mm-hmm. offering him over 100 million dollars 
to the only veteran they signed was Cody Latimer for the minimum, a guy who <laughs> has 70 catches in six seasons and half of them essentially came over the last uh, year or two. The, like not, not exactly like, you know, that, that that's, you know, he's not a guy that's like a lock to play, let alone make the team, but that's their veteran. So you kind of think, all right, maybe he's at, you know, sort of their, the, this year's Brian quick. He, he gives them somebody who's been around the block. So be it. But mm-hmm. then, yeah, then this new issue happens, and obviously innocent until proven guilty, and and he'll go through his the due process and, and all that stuff. Uh, but you know, we've read some of the details and heard some of the matters. But then you know, it isn't just one event; he's had some other uh, things come up in in his time. And you know, when you look at the police report on this one specifically about how he got into an argument, left his left the, where he was, came back, you know, use of a gun, whatever. The larger point would be it would be to what you were saying. It's not a matter of what Cody Latimer specifically. Uh, it's not a matter specifically of this incident. It's that the reality is he's not a guy that, that is like a core player by any stretch of the imagination. They've invested almost nothing in him. He he would only cost if they moved on a dead cap of like one hundred thirty seven thousand, I think. And clearly, for a team that's got the second most salary cap in the league, that's nothing. They could move on with him easily, and there's plenty of other Cody Latimer-level receivers out there that they could bring mm-hmm. in and have as the veteran. So it does seem like if Rivera, as you said, he is preaching it constantly. He t- Just today, he did a Q&A with some military families, and the topic of culture came up for sure. He uh, basically said uh, that he, you know, any guy he asks about what they're looking to, to do to help the team, and they just say they just want to win and all that good stuff, he loves those guys and the people who, no matter what their resumes are, who don't seem to buy in, they're out, which you know mm-hmm. I sort of took as a Trent Williams thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, it's sort of hard to get why Cody Latimer would would sort of what's the upside for keeping him in that line? Because look, again, innocent until proven guilty. We'll see what happens. But you know, if you're trying to send the message, I get it would be more complicated if you have a front line player. Mm-hmm. the same exact thing sort of happens. What do you do? Whether it's become from a salary cap standpoint, or it's just not realistic to get rid of this guy because the talent is overwhelming. That's one thing, but it's a, it's much easier to, to sort of make your stand on a guy like on a guy like this. So, yeah, it's almost a layup uh, example to be made. If you ask me, it's like, it's like a pain free example to be made. So I don't know why he doesn't just make the layup. Like, He's not Tyreek Hill, where you have to swallow the PR baggage because he changes everything. He's like not, you know, I, I mean, that's that's an overstatement. He's he's just a guy at best. He's just a guy. So why are we putting up with, you know, having to see the Redskins Chiron on ESPN? Uh, why are we dragging the the logo and the and the team name through the mud uh, when NFL Network has to report that this happened? For a dude who, like you said, maybe wasn't like, was not even definitely going to make the team anyway, um, I just don't get it. I think he should. I, I and, and the thing is, I said this before too. I don't really care too much about extenuating or provocative circumstances. I mean, I'm I'm not going to act like I know exactly what happened in that apartment. Maybe he did feel like he had a good reason to discharge a firearm, you know, right by his buddy's ear. But it doesn't really matter. Like. He's been in trouble before. He slapped a bouncer. I think he had a DUI or something like that. He's making bad decisions. There was this YouTube video like the day after they signed him where he had just recently admitted to suicidality. 
And um, it was a very questionable signing. I was I wondered at the time if they even knew that all that was going on. I think, you know, if we want to take it kind of like a little bit fringy, I mean, we could we could ask very, you know, philosophically, maybe even ethically, like, do the Redskins owe him something because just because he is technically a Redskin right now, even though he's been here for five minutes and most people on the team don't know anything about him. I mean, is it like, OK, maybe he's a troubled young man with possibly mental illness. And so we're not going to cut him because we want to help him. Do you think there's some of that? Or is it just like, listen, this guy is either trouble or commonly in trouble. We got to distance ourselves from that. We should just shed him. I mean, I, I, I would get, I guess, a little tension between those two things. But I feel that if you want to help him, if you think, if you've identified he's like, a, he's like an at-risk, you know, young, young guy, um, you can separate him from your organization um, officially and professionally and still reach out and help him. And you can even, pub, you know, promote that or like publicize that if you want. Hey, look, look what we were, you know, look, look at the progress Cody Latimer is making because we set him up with a counselor. I don't know. What, what do you think? Do they owe Cody Latimer something? Or if, if they decide he's, he's repeatedly getting in trouble, he's probably not going to be a big contrib- contributor. Let's cut him loose now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, you would hope that the, whatever his case is would not be impacted by what the Redskins do. But, you know, you could imagine if they were to just say quickly cut bait with him, that that would send up a signal that says, oh, boy, the Redskins have figured have heard enough to suggest that this all happened and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing is, though, in just talking to other uh, talking to people around the league, agents and others, you know, there are still a lot of really good players available in free agency and some of these guys right, right. under normal circumstances would come in you know right around training camp or whatever but the fact that nothing's happening there's no rookie mini camp there's not going to be any otas it appears it, it gives all these teams just much more time to, mm-hmm. to be patient mm-hmm. with anything they're doing there, there's mm-hmm. no real reason to, to to motivate so you know they they're given a little more time to play it out i mean look they obviously signed him for a reason somebody must think he can help them on the field. If that's the case, then, you know, regardless of what you and I may think like, okay, then it, what's the, what's the justification? What's the thing that you guys are going to be able to unlock? Let's maybe see what he does with the coaching staff, even under these virtual situations for, for a while. And if we see what we wanted to see in the first place, and we think this case is, you know, um, you know, the circumstances are, you know, Latimer's agent or lawyer has come out and, you know, try to make a defense already as to as to what happened you know maybe they buy into that and they think okay we, we we buy into this guy we still want to see what happens we'll wait we have time um and so all, all those things could be reasons as to what why they're they're doing what they're doing they've obviously been you know relatively speaking slow playing the whole uh, the whole free agency period after they kind of moved on from or didn't get amari cooper so mm-hmm. you know w- 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 that he's here now doesn't necessarily mean he'll be here come September 1st or whatever. But, you know, right now, the, the idea of kind of waiting and being patient seems to be going on around the league a lot. So they could just be it could just be that. And they're just waiting to see what happens, knowing that there's options out there and there's no real rush right now to do much of anything mm-hmm. off the top of my head. And I think maybe I was DMing with you about this last week. Got players who the Redskins could sign tonight who. um are roughly um, sim, you know, similar in terms of body size and skill set to Cody Latimer, 
who do not have police records that I know of at least, and who could step into that wide receiver room and be the veteran president uh, presence and offer some leadership include Demarius Thomas, Jermaine curse and Chris Hogan. I mean, it's easy. The point being, and maybe it won't be any of them, but like, like you said, there's a, there's guys on the couch right now that could, could step in and, and pro- probably offer you even more than Latimer was going to. It was a peculiar signing, but um, I think all your points are well taken, and I was glad to see that you wrote about that before, because there at least needs to be some tension between, um, you know, uh, all, all, us just swallowing this, okay, new culture, new culture, new culture, and hey, like, we got we to gotta see it. We got to see it at every, at every turn. And um, I understand that there's probably a bigger distinction than most fans realize between what NFL head coaches view as football character and then just like personal character. I think a lot of a lot of teams who value character and culture and chemistry would will you know are are nonetheless very willing to put up with a lot of hijinks and shenanigans and even you know uh, borderline criminal activity for guys who are never late to work who go balls to the wall in every practice you know who really sell out for the game of football and for their own football careers I think. I think there's there's higher value ascribed to that uh, to that sort of character in football than um you know guys who are leading youth groups at home during the week um but and so I I'm I've never been one who thought that every player needed to be a choir boy but to me you know risk benefit here it's like I'm not really sure why why he's still a redskin and it will be curious to me if he remains one I'll be scrutinizing that for sure all right I'm going to shut up now Ben I told you you'd be on for 20 minutes and we just went over an hour so boy I've been uh I have completely hogged your evening but um I did it because I thought this was a very um interesting and thought-provoking discussion and i'm very grateful that you joined um i hope you'll be willing to come back and i will i will commit to stealing half as much of your time in the future so everybody um thank ben for joining burgundy blogcast follow him at twitter uh, on twitter at ben ben standig or at break burgundy um any final thoughts ben well first let me just say i really i definitely appreciate coming on i mean i know uh um you put in your time and, and thoughts to this and, and you have some interesting ideas. I heard your, your previous podcast. So, I mean, I know you, uh, you know, you, you're not just coming in with like some hot takes from the sideline. You, you, you put in some thoughts and put in some work. So uh, appreciate, appreciate that. And I appreciate being on here. Uh, I, I'll ask you a question. You can feel free to cut it out of the show and move on <laughs> if need be, but okay. to, to as somebody who is paying attention, not just to the team, but also to everything around the team, including the media and using you as sort of the avatar for the fans. I am, I'm sort of just curious, like, cause you're in a, you're in a unique sort of spot. You're, you, you sort of get involved. You, you had, you know, some information that one of the rookies tested positive for COVID-19 and obviously it came out that Antonio Gandy golden was that, was that guy. And you've had some other things here and there as well. I'm just sort of curious, like from your perspective, what, what, what's your sense of the, of the media coverage of this team? Are there areas that like you've wondered over time, like why don't things happen or things could be done better or, we're all, I don't know, whatever it is, like, I'm going to, you be sort of the voice of the fans. Like what's the, from your seat, what, what, what's, what's needs to be fixed. What's good. I don't even know what I'm asking totally, but I'm just sort of curious. I I totally totally know what you're asking. It's great. I feel feel like I'm in a good position to comment on that. Um, 
I think um, you know, not not BSing at all, not sugarcoating it at all. That I'm I'm you know more than satisfied um, with the collective efforts of the of the um, mainstream Redskins beat. Um, I I I really um, I love following your stuff, and you're you're not only like like plugged in and you you get scoops and you you break stuff, but you're also a good writer. You you use um, use interesting and funny analogies <laughs> i like your sense of humor and i like the way you phrase things in your articles um but um i'll i'll deviate from just flattering you for a minute i think uh, the the redskins media is generally good um i wish there was i wish there were more options available on podcasts and you know that uh, i was encouraging you recently to to be more active and um try to establish one of your own because i would certainly listen and i would subscribe and listen to all of them if if i could say anything very broadly I guess maybe I wish you guys as a as a group were like a little harder on the team, not necessarily with question asking when when you're at um, you know uh, press conferences or podium sessions, but um, you know I think there have been a lot of times in the recent past where uh, there you know I've I've thought there were more reasons for concern in in you know coming into the, to a season in August. And like there was a little bit too much bright side being looked on um, by the group. I, I think that um, I would have liked to see, but but I, again, I, I it's really difficult for me to say this. I, I I'm fully acknowledging I'm just this anonymous blogger dude. I don't even share my last name with any of my followers or listeners. I can get away with saying whatever I want. It, it's it's cheating. It's it's absolutely cheating. And you guys can't be as honest because you have to toe this line and maintain a good relationship with the team so that you can have access. Um, I think, you know, I wish, I wish the beat writers could, were in a space where they felt comfortable, like being really hard on the team when they really deserved it. I'm not, I'm not asking for just, you know, angst and, um, complaints all the time. Um, but the, the, the close of the Bruce Allen era, the last couple of years, the Bruce Allen era was so absolutely disgusting that I literally quit my very devoted um, fanhood, at least the public part of my fanhood for eight full months, I just vanished and I wasn't sure I was ever going to come back. And I thought that, um, you know, I don't think you and your colleagues ever were like thinking that Bruce Allen was doing a good job. Um, but I just, I thought he should have gotten even more shit than he did. I mean, it was just so, so unbelievably bad. So anyway, that that's in the past, I guess, again, a super unnecessarily long winded way of saying, um, you know, please continue, keep it real. And when you know Rivera is going to make some mistakes this year, and I hope that you guys will will help us see them, um, because it's not, um, you know, I I don't I feel like on Twitter at least most fans are either like you know it, there's like this sense that if you're pro Redskins if you're like a if you're like a true fan you just got to be for or in favor of every single thing that happens, and if I criticize or doubt any little individual thing then like suddenly i'm a hater right but that's ridiculous like even the best run teams make to make bad decisions even the patriots make signings that don't work out and uh you know call plays that don't work out so that would be my only thing i hope i hope you guys and everybody in that room will just continue to be honest be real honest and be hard on them when they deserve it but hopefully you won't have to be yeah i i think i think all that's fair and it's interesting because, you know, the role of the traditional beat reporter is to observe and note, but not necessarily to offer an opinion. And 
that has you know evolved over time and with you know social media you know, a lot of people have used that to, to, to form their opinions or, or share their opinions even if it's not necessarily in their writing and mm-hmm. even within the writing people who maybe work in certain places are not traditional journalists i'm not even a traditional journalist honestly um and from mm-hmm. that you get different different ways of covering a, a team whereas other people are much more sort of in, the, in that old school old school way but then on top of it because of social media there are a lot of people you being maybe the most prominent one but there's a lot of other people as well who are not on the beat who are not covering the team really yet mm-hmm. have voices who who fans see and 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 follow on twitter and social media mm-hmm. and react to what they say what they do like i'll get questions often but the from somebody generally but it'll be looped in it'll be like me or like jp and then like two other people who i barely know because they're not like on the beat <laughs> but somebody decided right. that they needed to hear from all of us which is totally right. fine but it changes the landscape so now you have other people sharing their opinion and so it makes it like that well wait now what are we supposed to do do we share an opinion more do we not less obviously like you mentioned the bruce allen situation you know some of it was incredibly comical but it's also a challenge because like you know some people are and i'm not saying anybody particularly but like some people are team partners some people exactly uh, exactly yep, yep, yep. you know there's there's other kinds of relationships or even if it's not that direct hey i need to get access to to this team, if I crap on them constantly, which it would be easy yeah. to do with these guys for the last decade, then <laughs> th- then what's that doing for me the next time I want to get something? Which isn't, I'm not saying that they're that vindictive or anything. I just mean, yeah. you know, it's a thought that goes through your brain. So, yeah, I'm just always curious how the outside world looks at us because definitely I agree with you at times. I felt this a lot on the Wizards beat um where there were so many times like oh come on we can't we're really not going to give them a pass for this right mm-hmm. and uh, same thing with the redskins and then it feels like we do but um you know you, you can't come you can't go you can't go hot all the time i try to be honest as i can but it is you know uh sometimes you have to pull your punches and and um yeah, yeah it is we also have to look at these people in the face for the most part if you go out there and oh. clobber Jay somebody cool now tomorrow you have to go stand there and look at him and you have to decide whether you want to take that or not he may not even give a crap or no but nonetheless absolutely i'm glad you said that i want to go fully on record here as acknowledging like i said i mean you guys have to deal with it. You have this accountability. You you can't just slam these players for for sucking. You can't say that they suck. You have to go you have to go talk to them. I mean I I completely get it. And I mean that's why I hope I hope the fans agree that there is um you know there maybe not a need but a space for somebody like you and somebody like me and um you know it's it's really it's it's so much easier to do to do it the way I do it, and it's totally unfair because I don't have to really deal with any blowback. It doesn't matter to me if the players read what what I write, um, and it doesn't really matter to me what the team thinks about my opinion. But you guys have to consider that. So I I and you know I think about that all the time. That's not lost on me for sure. I'm I'm very grateful for your input and your insight. I know there's a lot of degenerates out there like me who, um, you know, against our own. Uh, judgment and best interests we just are kind of addicted to this sort of news and and trying to process everything going on the team because it's supposed to be fun i sure hope it will be a lot more fun in the coming years than it has been in the last few um but i'm I'm glad you asked that question and, and raised that point because 
it it is you know Redskins coverage in general. It's and, and NFL coverage is getting to be a weird thing now because randos like me can get a few followers and and start sometimes getting sort of lumped in with you guys uh, and, and who who are much more hardworking and honest and frankly should be believed and trusted a lot more than I am. But um, I hope we can do it again real soon. Um, and uh, I hope the rest of your quarantine is exciting, Ben. And uh, I look forward to it, man. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. The, the, the last 36 hours of my quarantine has been me rewatching the entire Back to the Future trilogy. So I don't know what excitement awaits me tomorrow, but hopefully a little better. Well, I don't know how it could get any better than that. So maybe <laughs> your near future is not as encouraging as I thought. All right, pal. Take it easy. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye.